Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's a Thursday afternoon with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, and of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Wherever you're listening, however listening, we are glad to have you along for the ride on this Thursday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of nonstop entertainment. They've got gaming, they've got great food, they've got live music. Of course, two great golf courses at the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and so much more. Learn all about them online at PearlRiverResort.com. Ceasefire text line is open to you. Surely you know the number by now. If you don't, save it in your phone. 601-879-4395. Protect and connect from Ceasefire. It allows you protect to protect your children while giving them the devices that they want so that they can be online and feel in control. But you know that you are the one that is in control and you're looking out for their best interests. Learn more at cspire.com. Good afternoon, boys. Kind of fired up right now. Okay. I don't How's know. That? I don't know why. I mean, I know why. That That's a dumb thing to say. There is some pessimism around here with these games this weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost every old Miss fan I've talked to, despite a two-and-a-half-point line, is like, mm, going to get smoked this weekend. And I have not seen a single state fan saying, like, yeah, I'm really excited for the Alabama game. I am. I, I look at these two games back-to-back, and uh, personally what I'm going to do for them also uh, kind of helps uh, that equation. Uh, Got to uh, pour a f- fresh bottle into my decanter. and uh, I mean, I, like, I'm ready for these games. But <laughs> I'm actually excited about... Uh, there's way too much negativity around here. And, right, and, and far be it for me to be that guy. Like I am not that guy. I, I'm the, the one that gets the crap on this show for you know being a downer and whatever. Well, mm-hmm. I am fired up, actually, to watch Ole Miss LSU and Mississippi State Alabama. And I'm going to keep that energy all the way until Saturday night, until proven uh, otherwise. But I'm not going to regret feeling this way right now. I'm pumped up this week or for this weekend. Hey, Dad, you've never been one... Um, to tamp down stereotypes as it pertains to Ole Miss people, and you love to make jokes at me and about me and at my expense, kind of on the regular, and yet you have never heard me say, in the history of this show, you have never heard me say, I poured a fresh bottle into my decanter. Hey, you, You've never heard me say that before, <laughs> hey, Dad. 
You've never heard that out of my mouth. Hashtag Borky money. No, man, it's my. It's, oh god, it's one of my proudest possessions. Uh, actually, here's a here's a downer <laughs> for you. It is. It is. It's a it's a decanter from St. Andrews that uh, my late grandfather gave to my dad, and my dad gave to me. Oh, that's awesome. It, cool. It's awesome, and so that's very cool. Yeah. But yeah. it is funny. And it, I mean, that's the most pretentious thing I've probably ever said in my life, I think. I poured a fresh bottle into my decanter. Hey, but if I told you what was I in the let bottle... I breathe before the weekend. Let, let, let's yeah. just say the, the late Neil Borky would be really disappointed <laughs> in, in the, the contents <laughs> of the bottle that was poured in there. Like, the decanter is not... Uh, it's yeah. being disgraced by the uh, the quality of the decanter, bourbon inside of it right now. A little now. charcuterie board. Maybe a little Grey Poupon. <laughs> Very classy. I don't know what that uh, last thing is, but it sounds classy. It's you mustard. Don't know what gray Poupon is? I, you don't I know what Grey Poupon gray, is? They don't do the commercials anymore. Oh. That's right. The old school per- commercials. But of course. Yes. Pardon me. Do you have any Grey Poupon? <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> you need, you to, you need to look up you, during you the break. You got to look up a Grey Poupon commercial. Yes. I need that, and I need the old right guard commercials with, like, Charles Barkley and Hulk Hogan. Anything less oh, I know would be uncivilized. I know. I just, I, I, I've seen this bottle. I, I know what it is. Yeah. So, so what, uh, the late Neil Borky would have been, was he like a uh, like a Glenn Levitt 25-year guy? Oh, I, frankly, uh, he, he passed before I was kind of aware of, you know, brands and stuff that he was consuming, but I know he really enjoyed a good, expensive bottle. I know that. Like, I was able to gather that much in my young age, but I don't know exactly what. I can't remember. Probably a Scotch guy, right? Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, well, hopefully Borky's optimism for the weekend can uh, can roll out on uh, on lots of others. Kyle says Richard gets served his refreshments. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know... His manservant brings in brings in a a, a cold, uh, you know, a, a neat whiskey, maybe one rock. Tyler in Corinth says, "Borky <laughs> hashtag legacy." <laughs> uh, I do not and have never understood a decanter. Why pour fluid from a perfectly good bottle into another bottle? You're just chancing a spill and wastage. I wouldn't have one if at that if point. I why do you need a one. glass? Just drink it straight out of the bottle. Good point. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I suppose that's. <laughs> if I ever saw somebody reason. drinking Blantons or 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 something like that out of the bottle, I don't know how I would handle that. I don't. I don't know how I would handle somebody with like a fifty, sixty dollar bottle of whiskey just turning that bad boy up like it was a Jim Beam traveler. Well, if if you can find Blantons for fifty or sixty dollars, I know plenty of people that would be more than people happy would take to, it. Uh, I don't know my whiskeys that in, much. In I thought that, that was a good price. Uh, I got would, you. Would be more than happy to. Uh, also, Borky, a suggestion that you uh, stick that pinky out. <laughs> I do have uh, ordered them on Amazon. Those uh, the the circle, the the big sphere ice cubes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're yeah. so. Yeah, what I'm just picturing. I'm picturing you in a smoking jacket right now. Ooh, you know, so, smoking jacket, like Hugh Hefner. So yeah, cool. yeah, like the Hugh Hefner look. Yeah, pajama pants, house shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Got the cigarette with the holder. Yeah, except for... The, <laughs> <laughs> Reality is I'll be sitting on a couch that my neighbor put on the end of the street that I brought uh, to my house because I couldn't afford a new couch. <laughs> in t-shirt and boxers. Yeah, I mean, I'm not With wearing... a decanter full of whiskey. 
Uh, uh, what mean, a grape. Yeah, that, that'll be pretty much it. Probably uh, not going to cook anything and just get like to go chicken wings. I mean, really class up the joint. Hang on. I'll eat chicken wings from a styrofoam box while I pour <laughs> bourbon from my decanter. <laughs> my my freshly decanted bourbon. <laughs> oh, man. Mmm, <laughs> is that teriyaki? Mmm. <laughs> if, uh, if you would like to be part of the conversation, like many <laughs> of you are. That is how you start a radio show. There we go. The uh, C Spire oh text line is available, 601-879-4395. We uh, would love to hear from you. Uh, let's see here. Oh, oh, a question. Is the only reason for the, um, the the cigarette holder so that your fingers don't smell like cigarettes? Is that the Maybe. It make, makes it? sense. Makes sense. Or you just want to look as pretentious or, as you possibly can. I think they stain, too, right? Like somebody that's a heavy smoker, Probably, if you look yeah. at their fingers, you we can kind of tell. Yeah, suppose. Yeah. Can you imagine? You don't need at, to look at their fingers to tell. To be honest with you, you well, probably true. get a whiff on your way up to them. Yeah, the the wrinkles you know, at the yeah. creases of their lips, and but just um, the smell of tobacco is enough. You know. Can you imagine a like a Virginia Slim dangling out of the end of a cigarette holder? It'd be like a <laughs> foot and a half long. <laughs> you couldn't get there within two feet of that person. You'd burn yourself. Ay, ay, ay. Virginia oh, Slim, stuff. extra long 120s. Just, just. Jeez. It's almost like a, it's like an anteater snout at that point. Hey, you want another reason to be excited? We've got football tonight. Yeah. Uh, huh? In the NFL. Fun game in the NFL. Lions, a two-point favorite in Green Bay at Lambeau to take on the Packers. I- I'm curious. Just because I have kind of hit the point where I'm ready for it to be cool here. Uh, the, the we, though I think we vowed last year in the middle of like that long, cold winter spell that we wouldn't complain about being at hot, about it being hot for an extended period of time. I just wanted to cool a little bit. I, I'm just curious what the, uh, the game time temperature is going to be tonight in Green Bay. It's currently 60. Oh. Man, that's low. so. Today I was looking at the weather app on my phone, and it has the, it happens to have the ten day forecast. So I got to see next Saturday, October seventh, when I'm coming to the Ole Miss Arkansas game. Mm-hmm. High of sixty seven, low of fifty. What? That's, that's, that's what how football is. That's what it said. That's what it said on my phone. I've got I got a screenshot, so I'm not making it up. I, I believe you, but I'm fact checking you also. That is. For a night game, too? Oh, man. We're up to 74 and 57 now, but that was what it was at 8 o'clock this morning. Still 57. This says high of 77, low of 55 on mine, so pretty good. We're getting there. That is pretty darn good. Three college football games on the docket tonight. Middle Tennessee State is at Western Kentucky. The uh, Blue Raiders are getting seven. Temple is at Tulsa. The Owls are catching three and a half. And Jacksonville State is laying seven points tonight at Sam Houston State. Tomorrow's the the night to to watch football. Unless you're locked oh, into yeah. the NFL, it's or you're a degenerate. Well, that too. It has value, right? I mean, it, it it gives you games that you're not otherwise interested in, and it makes you extremely interested in because you are invested 
in them. Sports Talk Mississippi. Quick timeout. We will be right back with you after this. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. We're going to talk some more Alabama. Mississippi State, some more Ole Miss LSU with Matt Stahl and Cokie Riley. And we're going to talk some Sanderson Farms Championship with uh, Steve Gent. We'll talk about the field. They've uh, announced the field for the event. Hey, Deb, Borky and I were talking during the break. I was just kind of looking at just like some random names that I saw, and I thought, I saw Nick Watney's name, and I thought I hadn't heard of, from him in a while. Pretty good player. He's now 42 years old. You ever heard of Nick Watney? Hey, Dad, turned pro in 2003. No, I, I, I don't even have a joke. No, I don't. Um, so he was a good player on tour. Good good, good player. He um, had a run 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, where he, he really played well. He has $31,646,458 in career earnings. Twenty-nine million in official tournaments and another two and a half million in unofficial events. Some tour championship bonuses mixed in as well. Forty-two years old. Assuming that he has been wise with his investments, he he's good forever. PGA Tour famously has like the most unbelievable retirement program imaginable. If if you play for a long time, and and you're a pretty good player. He's played in 982 career events with five wins. And that right there, okay, so good golfer. Let's just round it up to 1,000 and say he's got five wins. So he wanted a 0.5% clip. And then you look at Tiger Woods' win percentage. Like win percentage isn't a stat that's used on the PGA Tour except for a guy like Tiger Woods. And he was like, what? I mean, like 25%? Something crazy like that. I'm just insane. See if I can find that. Tiger Woods. There it is. Career winning percentage for Tiger Woods. In, In major championship golf, this was early on in his career. He won 27.3% of the tournaments that he entered. And in majors, in 12 years and 44 major starts, he had a 33% winning percentage in the major major championships. His career win percentage is (laughs) 21.98%. It's incredible. Gosh, that's crazy. Hard to fathom. I mean, that level of dominance... You know, it's hard to compare different sports. Uh, uh, comparing this player was better than this player, and it's a basketball player and a tennis player. It just it doesn't make sense. Like, you can't do it. His level of dominance relative to that sport, 
I mean, that's unmatched, right? Like, like, there's never been somebody that dominated a sport the way he did that one. Right? Uh, not for the period uh, yeah. of time that he was dominant. <clears throat> and, and, and like many of us would argue that his career was cut short because of injuries, and it was. And it, it, among simply, other things. Yeah, among other things. But if not for some of the injuries that he's dealt with and the time that he's missed, a Tiger Woods that stayed healthy, both mentally and physically, would have won, what, 20 more golf tournaments? And another five, six majors? But obviously those things didn't happen. So, no. you know, there you go. Anyway, golf talk later. We're a week away. He, but he dominated yeah. the sport from two de- for two decades. Yeah. Well, we got Ryder Cup this weekend, right? Yes, we do. I mean, you know, we got we 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 can throw some golf in there. Hey, the, hey, we'll talk about the, the Ryder, Ryder Cup, Cup next week if Rome. Saturday goes poorly. How about that? By the way, uh, we'll lead with Jim, the Ryder. Get ready Cup. to talk Ryder. Get ready to talk Ryder Cup next week. <laughs> get ready. Mm. Um, Jim Gallagher Jr told me that he would be more than happy to join us next week. Couldn't make the schedule work. He is in Rome for the Ryder Cup, part of Golf Channel's coverage, and I should have known that. And and do you know why it's such a, a big deal that he is always included in the Ryder Cup coverage? He was part of the last U.S. team to win on European soil in 1993. Yeah, we don't play well there. And I mean, Brooks got a... left out of the, the, the first wave. ZJ uh, sitting Brooks, interesting move. Yeah, he'll did play see, in the afternoon. Did Hold you see place. Sam Burns's hair? No, I have not. Sam, Sam Burns, I believe, is from Shreveport, Louisiana, or, or at least the area. And Sam Burns is going with a mustache, and and his hair is long, like down to his shoulders, right? But the sides of his hair are shaved at like a three. I mean, he has got the mullet of all mullets. Mustache, long hair down to his shoulders, but the sides are clean-shaved. Like, very, very short. The most Shreveport-looking dude you've ever seen in your life. And and he has USA carved into the side of his head <laughs> to go along with it. How can you not be romantic, romantic about sports, man? Yeah, he looks way more uh, Cam uh, who, who Smith. Cam Smith, and I mean, he's going to be walking around Rome, Italy, bunch of bunch of guys drinking wine with their little European jacket on because they can't decide what country they like. Straight, it's, straight out of the decanter, out of the decanter, right? They'll be carrying those around. And here comes Sam Burns, crushing a bush light before he walks on the first tee with USA carved into the side of his head, America. I mean, I guess have fun with it. If that's your deal, then roll with it. I uh, oh, that's that's a tough look to make this conversation full circle. Someone's, that is past uh, Sanderson Farms Championship winner Sam Burns. That is correct. Someone tells me Richard's never had anything carved into his head like that. I just, I just <laughs> call me crazy. I have not. I might be the only one on this show that did that. So. Uh, in fact, the last time my head was shaved, I think it was ninth grade. Like the entire yeah. junior varsity baseball team, yeah. everybody shaved their heads, and what a stupid thing to do. Yeah. yeah. My senior year before uh, homecoming, I got my number and a lightning bolt put in the back there. Nice. Did you maintain it for yeah. the entire season? 
No, no, I just grew back over. We did mustaches. I got a picture. I'll send, I'll send Please it send it. We did mustaches yeah. before the Hillcrest game my senior year. That was our big rival. We played them first game and last game, twice a year. And for the, the last game, we decided after we beat their heads in the first game that we were going to grow mustaches for the last game. Uh, here's the issue uh, with that. I didn't shave once from the first game to the last game. You couldn't tell that. I had a must- Everybody else on the team has got mustaches for the Hillcrest game, and here's Borky with uh, this baby face here. And I tried, and I, I couldn't do it. And we beat you, their you, brains you in have, men, too. But still. You, you have since tried, and it still didn't work. It still doesn't go well. It's, it's not, not, not great. Like, I'll be 32 in a few months. I'm a father. I've got a child. He will be able to grow better facial hair. Before me, I've accepted that in my life. Like it, it is a thing that's not going to happen ever. I sent it to you, Borky. We get a um, a question. Somebody says, "How good of a golfer was Daly?" Two-time was, major champion. Yeah, he was good enough. Really, yeah, really good. Um, there, but but John Daly is a character, not just a golfer. As a golfer, when he burst onto the scene, it was it, it was something that we had never really seen before. John Daly probably did more to ooh, I don't want to overplay this. John Daly did as much to revolutionize the game of golf in terms of hitting it long as anybody else that has come through in the last three decades. I mean, and, and you watched him swing. I mean, the hand-eye coordination for John Daly, and I guess it still is, but at that point, it had to be so off the charts. Yeah. Like if, if you've ever swung a golf club, you know you got to be under control. Watch John Daly swing. Go back and watch um, like highlights from his British Open win or his PGA win when he was still very new on tour. And the way that he wrapped the driver, I mean, he didn't come close to stopping at parallel. I mean, it was wrapped so far that you could see the head of your driver out of your peripheral vision with, with your, your forward eye. He would take it that far back and then just generated this crazy amount of club head speed. And... Nobody else hit it quite like that. You had guys that hit it a long way. I mean, Fred Couples' nickname at that point was Boom Boom. He was hitting that Lynx Boom Boom driver. He didn't hit it like John Daly did, though. So, yeah, I hate to to frame it like this, but could you imagine had he like locked down and focused? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were uh, a lot of other interests in John Daly's life along the way. Uh. Jeremy in Columbia says, in John Daly's first win at Crooked Stick, he had a decanter in his golf bag. I, I, I wouldn't argue with you about that being true or false, I promise. Uh, we'll go to the Farm Bureau <laughs> guest line when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Communication system is a go. go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Great 
to be with you on this Thursday afternoon as we inch closer to another college football weekend. A little over 48 hours until Mississippi State and Alabama kick it off from Davis Wade Stadium in Starkville on Saturday night. We'll talk more about that matchup on the Farm Bureau guest line is uh, Matt Stahl. Covers the Crimson Tide at AL.com. Matt, appreciate a little bit of your time this afternoon. Of course. Thank you all for having me. So I, I read the, um, the the story that you wrote recently, I, I guess it was earlier today, um, about Nick Saban and, and talking about halftime adjustments. And the headline grabbed me, and, and I was really interested in, in kind of what he said about that. But it struck me, we are living in a world, we are living in a time when Nick Saban is doing a weekly radio-slash-TV interview with Pat McAfee. It feels like times are different with Nick Saban than they have been in the past. Yeah, and he's on the Pat McAfee show looking happy. It's crazy. Like, he looks like he's enjoying being there. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know how that was going to go, but hey, he seems to be enjoying himself on that one. You know, it, it's funny. A couple of times I've watched that, and it's like he goes back and forth between kind of that stone face, no emotion, and then Pat says something, and he's like he's listening to him, and he finally just can't help but crack a smile. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Pat's a funny dude. Like, I'll, uh, I, I'll give him credit. Like, uh, Saban's like, a little tough to crack in that department. But Pat, Pat's real funny. So the, um, the, the aftermath of last week's win uh, over Ole Miss, Alabama at, at times looked like a different team. They played very well in the second half. Defense was steady throughout the course of the game. Had some pop offensively. How has it changed the mood? around that program this week from where it was a week ago at this time? You know, I've been getting a lot less emails in my work inbox, like, demanding that (laughs) I tell Nick Saban we need to fire some, like, just low-level staffers who are just getting blamed for the destruction of the Saban dynasty here. Uh, I I think that – I'd say the sky is certainly falling a lot less than it was following that Texas loss and following them, frankly, looking worse than they did in the Texas loss against uh, South Florida. Matt, I, I talked to somebody who was at that game um, that, that was covering it, and they said nervous energy would have been a way to describe kind of the Alabama fan base going into that game. And it was not something – like there's this – you know, earned or not, there's this overwhelming sense of confidence among Alabama fans every time Alabama takes the field, and that it felt a little bit different. Did you get that sense kind of being in and around the stadium last week? Yeah, a little bit. And, you know, I think it makes for a better atmosphere at Bryant-Denny Stadium when Bama fans feel like there's a chance they're going to lose the game. I mean, that place sort of has, I'd say rightfully, gained the reputation of, like, not always being as good of an atmosphere as it can be for every game, just because, I mean, frankly, this fan base is happy when it wins the national championship, and every other win is just kind of like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. This is Alabama. So, yeah, I'd say nervous energy, I think, is definitely right, especially, I mean, fans here hear a lot of Lane Kiffin talking, and, yeah, I think it makes them a little bit nervous at least. Matt, looking ahead to this week, the last two quarterbacks that have played Mississippi State have been have enjoyed being the SEC Offensive Player of the Week the following Monday. I thought Milrow was pretty good against Ole Miss, not great, but is there some hope this week against the Mississippi State defense that he can finally have that big breakout game? Yeah, 
I think so. And I think a lot of it's going to, as it has been, just depend on his offensive line. I mean, that unit was so just like just dog terrible against Texas and really most of the way against South Florida. But, I mean, you started to see it really pull together in the second half of the Ole Miss game. And I think it – you know, I was on the Mizzou beat last year and I had the same conversation a million times about Brady Cook there. Where it's like, what can he be if he's, like, not on his ass? And I think it's a, kind of the same deal with Jalen Milrow. Like, what can Jalen Milrow be throwing the football if he's not having to run for his life on every single play? So, if that offensive line can sort of – continue to pull it together a little bit here, uh, I think you might get a more true tell of what Jalen Milrow is. Kool-Aid McKinstry is thought of as one of the best defensive backs in all of college football, and I thought he played really, really well last week. Has he lived up to the billing over the course of four games in the aggregate? (laughs) I'd say so, and I think one of the things with Kool-Aid is I, it's sort of, if you remember the Revis Island years with the New York Jets, yeah. uh, where Darrell Revis would be like, he might have two interceptions on the season or one interception or whatever, so the stat line would be super gaudy. But it'd be this deal where it's like, well, it's because they're just not throwing the ball to his side of the field ever. And it's not quite to that level with Kool-Aid here, but I, I, it's uh, there's a whole lot of that. Like, people, if you're going to try somebody on that in one of the Alabama corners, I think you're going to go after Terry and Arnold before you go after Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, visiting with uh, Matt Stahl, AL.com, covers the Crimson Tide and uh, does a good job doing so. So we, we talked about the, the mood among Alabama fans, and I know, Matt, you're not out there like taking a daily straw poll or anything, but do you have a, uh, a different sense going into, uh, into this weekend and the game in Starkville than, than maybe you did last week? Yeah, I think fans are probably a little bit more confident, despite what Nick Saban's been saying throughout the week about how he thinks this is the tougher game for Alabama. I don't know how much I fully believe that he believes that. But, yeah, I'd say overall fans are just a touch more confident this week. I think just in part because they saw in the second half of that Ole Miss game what Alabama sort of can be and is becoming. So was that like an after-the-fact shot at Lane Kiffin? Yeah, it might have been. Uh, <laughs> if I if I had to put money on the reason for that, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd still go with, you know, he's he's you know, using the beat writers to send a message to his team. But, uh, you know, there, there could be multiple reasons behind things. But yeah, that's, uh, that certainly could have been one of them for sure. Visiting with Matt Stahl covers Alabama. So, so this game in Starkville, and then it's a road trip to Texas A&M, and then the next three are all at home, Arkansas, Tennessee, and, and LSU. When you kind of take the long-range view, we're a third of the way through the season at this point. How, how does this thing finish out for Alabama? Obviously, only one conference game played so far. They've got the loss to Texas. Uh, what does it look like when, when we get to the end of November? It's a great question because I look around the SEC and I'm really not sure I know who anyone is at this point. Mm. I mean, looking at it from the beginning of the season, you'd say like that A&M game, that's losable. Um, that LSU game is losable. And that um, the Tennessee, like you lose that one as well. Uh, A&M, you're in, uh, you're in College Station. 
Jimbo has traditionally had whatever team he's on ready for Alabama. I think that still is like a losable game. Although, like A and M has uh, doesn't have its quarterback anymore, and you know they've had, they've had some real struggles at times so far this season. Uh, LSU. I mean, I, I'll wait a few weeks. I have no idea what LSU's like like ceiling or floor is this season, really. And then Tennessee. Like, I don't think that's the same Tennessee that beat Alabama last year. So it's tricky. I mean, you could tell me. You could tell me at the end of the regular season this Alabama team won out, and I'd believe you. Or you could tell me they're going to lose three games the rest of the way. I'd, I'd believe you on that as well. Matt, in, in terms of health, what does Alabama look like coming into this game? Uh, I think they're in fairly good shape for the most part. The trouble points are going to be uh, Deontay Lawson, uh, inside linebacker and defensive signal caller, has an ankle sprain. Uh, he, he missed practice yesterday. I don't know about today. Uh, Saban called him highly questionable and same deal with, uh, Terrence Ferguson, who, uh, really sort of provides the depth at the guard spots for them. I, uh, if I had to guess, I'd say there's a bigger chance Lawson plays than Ferguson. Yeah. And second leading tackler on the team. So kind of a, a big deal on, on that front. Matt, really uh, appreciate the information. Great catching up with you, and I hope we can talk again soon. Sure, anytime. Thank you all. Matt Stahl joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau writes at AL.com, covers the Crimson Tide. Hey, Dad, as as you've looked at this matchup and, and you look at the personnel for Alabama, who's the most important piece on their defense? Ooh, that's a good question. Thanks. I I don't know that it's McKinstry because I don't know that Mississippi State's going to have the kind of time to throw that that you know he's going to 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 be able to make a huge impact. And also, don't think he's covering State's best receiver. He's not going to be in the slot, you know, covering Tulu Griffin. So it might just be it might be as simple as saying Dallas Turner because he's the best pass rusher on that team, and State has struggled. Uh, on the offensive line this year, it's going to be somebody I think from the, from their their defensive line who who is going to be c- continually bothering Will Rogers and disrupting Mississippi State's run game. I, I definitely think that's where the player you're going to look at is going to come from. And, and look, Kool Aid McKinstry gets all the headlines, but Terion Arnold, the redshirt sophomore from Tallahassee, really good on the opposite side at corner, really really good player. Uh, you obviously mentioned Dallas Turner, six and a half tackles for loss so far this season. He's got four and a half sacks. And Chris Braswell playing at a really high level as well. He's got three and a half sacks. While you can. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to, back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio on this Thursday afternoon. 
If you want to join the conversation, you can uh, hook up with us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Dwayne and Brandon says, uh, your last guess, is Matt at least 21? Yeah, I think he's one of those guys that, that keeps that, that youthful baby face. AL.com got young over the last uh, few months. Like they, Casa Grande is doing uh, more like columns and stuff, and they brought in a, a whole new crop of Auburn and, and Alabama reporters. Uh, eager young minds, if you will. Yeah. Um, is there anything that, that he said about this Alabama team that stood out to you? I mean, it feels like the mindset among fans changes. I don't know that that makes – no, I, I do know. That doesn't make a bit of difference, right? No. Fans are nervous going into a game. Fans are confident going into, confident going into the game. It's based on what they're seeing on the field, but it has no real bearing on what is happening on the field. He wasn't wrong about that mindset, though, that they just expect to win every game. When I was in college, I visited a high school friend that went to Alabama. Me and a couple of buddies went to stay with them. And we get there Friday night, had a pretty good time, wake up in the morning and go to their tailgate. And it's their fraternity tailgate, like what you would think would be rowdy as all get out before a home conference game, right? Hours into it, the energy was awful. It felt like nobody there cared. And I finally, I was like, hey, man. I know you. You're more fun than this. Why is the energy here so bad? And he said, honestly, we were seniors at this point. He was like, game day's not really fun anymore. We just know we're going to win. And every time Alabama gets close to losing, I can't wait to call him and say, hey, do you enjoy that one? Yeah. That's a real thing. That's a real phenomenon there, as they don't get jacked up for every home game, even conference games, because we just know we're going to win. Yeah, and, and it's it's why Bryant Denny kind of has the reputation that it does. It, it does not have the same intimidating rec, uh, reputation as, as Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge. Jordan um, Hare, honestly, that would as, bother as them. But. but when it's right, it's really right. You, you get a big game for Alabama where people are invested – and that is a hard place to play. And it's really a hard place to play all the time. It's an unfair characterization of that stadium, that venue. Because under Nick Saban, they've lost like seven home games, so, something like that, I mean, over the course of the last 16 seasons. It may not even be that many. They just don't lose at home. So, yes, it spoils the fan base, but then the stadium gets a bad reputation for not being difficult to play in, and yet nobody ever wins there. So... Maybe it is. Maybe it's just the team's difficult to play against. It doesn't really matter I mean, whether you play them at Bryant-Denny or on the move. It's a chicken or the egg kind of thing going on yeah. here. What, what's yeah. Saban's record on the road? Probably the same. No, no defensively, they're, they're really yeah, it's good. Not, that's the funny part. It's not that It can't be that different. Yeah. Um, Mississippi State yeah. receivers are going to have their hands full. I, I noticed that in the Ole Miss game. Ole Miss really likes to do stuff on the edges. And while people were getting frustrated that they kept doing it despite it clearly not working, it's something that they're good at. And, and Alabama's defensive backs and safeties were really good at at meeting Ole Miss's wide receivers at the line of scrimmage, being physical. Uh, I mean, Ole Miss couldn't block them uh, on the edges, and the receivers had a hard time getting open. The, those That group of defensive backs and safeties for Alabama, everybody talks about the front and you know Otis and all those guys, like, they're really good there, too, don't get me wrong. But you guys said it right before the break. They've got defensive backs, man, that are physical, that are going to play in the NFL. Really, really good. 
if State's going to have a chance, they're going to have to keep Alabama off the scoreboard. I, I think that State's going to have a, a hard time scoring because of that on Saturday night. Yeah. Thinking about stadium, I was trying to think where, like, if I had to put together a list of places that I would most like to watch a football game and rank it one through 14. Not about intimidation or atmosphere or what, just like you get to watch a football game at fill in the blank and just take your team out of it. Alabama would, it would be in front of Vanderbilt, it would be in front of Missouri. I'm trying to decide if it would be in front of anybody else. Even though Ole Miss has gotten just skull-dragged over and over and over in Fayetteville, I like that matchup, and I kind of like Razorback Stadium. It's kind of it's a little bit weird, but when it gets going, it's pretty good. Love watching a game at Auburn. Florida, I'm kind of like, eh, but I'm just kind of eh on Gainesville. The stadium itself is pretty good. Love the state Georgia. fans who went to, to Columbia last week were all. The state fans who went to Columbia last week were all talking about how great the atmosphere was there. They do a really good job at South Carolina. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Really good job. I, don't know, I might put Alabama in front of A and M. A and M is just kind of a sterile. It's big. And it's nice, and it's like too big and too nice. It's kind of sterile. Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour, coming up with you next. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, 4 o'clock hour with you, starting right now on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. Great to be with you. Mentioned Pearl River Resort Studio. It is the uh, Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. If fall golf is your thing, if you're a golfer, fall golf is probably your thing, then now is the time and according to Brian Haydad, a week from now is really going to be the time when we're looking at highs in the mid to upper 70s and overnight lows in the 50s. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Book your tea time online at dancingrabbitcough.com. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Learn more about them online at Ceasefire dot com slash business on tuesday we launched a new segment on the show and uh we had a lot of fun with it we uh, we kind of looked at some of the um the fishy lines yeah that was a lot of fun i enjoyed that actually louisville nc state tomorrow that one stinks let's do it again next let's do it again next week that's a good idea. 
I think it's a great plan. And why don't we just take it all the way through football season? It would be great. An outstanding plan. But Borky continues to look at the game that all three of us talked about on Tuesday. And he's got questions. Yeah, this was this was brought to my attention earlier. I think it's making its rounds on message boards and stuff, but a friend of mine who, uh, for some stupid reason, leans on me for betting advice. And I would really... I tell him about my track record, and he still does it. And, you know, at this point, he's, he's got, the, uh, got the warning. But the line for Ole Miss LSU hasn't moved. Two and a half. That's what, that's what it was Tuesday. That's what it is today. Despite when you look at whatever service you, you want to look at, Action Network, CBS, all, all the, the places that provide you the information, Odd Shark, whatever, the overwhelming majority of the bets and, and money in some places are, are going to LSU. 80% almost. It's like 75 in one place, 77 in another place. Of the wagers are on LSU. Even LSU Moneyline is getting that amount of play, and yet the line hasn't moved a half a point. Hmm. Why? By the way, our fishy lines each week are brought to you by PTG Outdoors. You can find them online at ptgoutdoors.com or visit them in Greenville or Grenada. There you go. Yes. Um, I mean, the the simple answer is there's sharp money that has come in on Ole Miss that is Mm -hmm. keeping the balance in check. So let me ask this, and and I'm going to have to take some heat because I'm the state guy. That's fine. But what have you seen from Ole Miss this year versus what have you seen from LSU this year that makes you think that this game won't be? I mean, that's the that's that's the question. That's the genesis of this. That's what I'm. I mean, and and you know, we Richard got on me last week because I made a joke about a trend with with John Sokoloff. But here's the trend for Ole Miss: two and six in their last eight against Power Five. Those wins are against a five and seven A and M team and what I think will be a average Georgia Tech team. I don't understand. You know, the, look, the reason the sharps are the sharps. I, you know, they got they got they 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 are the reason these these casinos are so big and they have all those delightful restaurants in them. But I I don't get it. I mean, if you you want to convince me that LSU is going to win by seven, I got no problem buying that. I think it'll be a, a little bit bigger margin than that. But if you say, yeah, they'll, they'll win something like you know thirty five twenty eight. Okay, but that's seven, not two and a half. It's fair. Your eyes tell you, Ole Miss has been so bad on the offensive line. I said this, I think yesterday or Tuesday, but they couldn't run on Mercer. The 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 struggles in Tuscaloosa were not new. I mean, it's been a a year-long problem. They've just overcome it with talent and depth in New Orleans against Tulane and against Georgia Tech. They they overcame that because those teams aren't the one that you're facing on Saturday. And while Ole Miss defensively has improved, clearly, I mean, they're, they're getting to the passer. I think they have five more sacks as a team than LSU. Can you believe that? I know LSU's played a more difficult schedule, but Ole Miss has gotten the quarterback down four games into the season more than LSU. So, so they're they're improved there. They're they're playing well. Perkins is coming on. Golding, the return on the Golding investment, it, it still remains to be seen. But the early returns are, they got something there. Limited in spots. Yeah. The the roster's not where you want it to be on that side of the ball. They're depending on a lot of portal guys. 
some rentals and and there are some guys that are it, it, some guys that play for that old Miss defense in a perfect world wouldn't be playing on an SEC West defense. Some of them that that do get playing time wouldn't in a perfect world. LSU's going to score on Saturday, I think. They're they're going to score possibly in a in a pretty high volume, despite Ole Miss's improvement there. So there are people out there, there are there are the football experts that that do these things for a living and they're really good at it that think that there is something in Ole Miss that can line up and keep this game within a field goal. Because they're not moving this thing. Yeah. I'm really fascinated by this. I I have a friend that uh, enjoys in investing in sporting activities on on the regular. <laughs> investing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Speculating. Okay. You lose money in the stock yeah. market, stock market too sometimes. You know. Hey, no, 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 no question, no question. And and he employs a lot of different strategies, and sometimes it's gut, and sometimes it's information, but. More times than not, it's fade the public. And he has largely been successful. And the idea with the whole fade the public thing is public bettors gamble recreationally. Sharps gamble professionally. It's what they do for a living. And if they've been able to do that for a living for an extended period of time, it's because they're they're good at it. But... Like, a person that makes a living as a gambler probably wins 55% of their plays. I think it, what's what's the break-even number? It's like 51.8 or something like that, 51.85 or because of the juice on, on losses. And so you have to win more than 50% of your bets to even break even. And then when you think about the amounts of money that those guys are wagering, when you get up to that 54 55% threshold, then you're doing really, really well financially. So it's like we're talking out of both sides of our mouths here. Right. Because I agree with you guys. And, and, and look, we're very much part of the public. Very much. You know, the occasional wager for fun recreationally little sporting activity, not trying to pay a mortgage and not worried about getting a finger cut off because you can't pay on Tuesday. Right? I mean, th- th- those, I mean, you get what I'm saying. The good people at the Pearl River Resort yeah. will not cut off your limbs. You have to pay up no, front. No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, yes. I was using I've a very dated example just... with regard to paying on Tuesday. Paul, right? Paulie and Chrissy won't show up at your house if, uh, if you're behind with them, you know. Well, but I guess the point I'm making in all of that is all three of us, while yes, we are, are the public and recreational, and if you're making a wager, it's, it's just for fun and to have a little action, we also know college football. And we spend a lot of time of it on it every single day for 12 months out of the year. And it doesn't make sense. I think Ole Miss is a good football team. I do. I think the defense has improved. I think Jackson Dart's playing at a really high level. They got beat by a better team last week in Alabama. And even in getting beat and being very, very poor offensively, 
There are a handful of plays from that outcome being different. It wasn't. I'm, I'm not making an excuse here. I'm just saying they weren't that far from being able to win that football game, even though they were not competitive in the second half. It was a 14-point game. So what are we missing? What are we missing when we look at this matchup? Got a text. I feel like this LSU second. Like this needs to be our first question to Bruce Marshall more. We 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 gotta know. LSU, despite being really good up front for whatever reason, have struggled to get home. And you know, they might on Saturday because Ole Miss's offensive line is has not protected well. Ask Jackson Dart. Um but LSU has, what is it, the 115th ranked pass defense in college football? If you can get the ball out of the quarterback's hands, you can beat them. That's a big if for Ole Miss up front. But if they can, that's your opportunity to win the game. And it was one of the things that Chris Blair talked to us yesterday. Ole Miss is going to try and heat Jackson Dart, or LSU is going to try and heat up Jackson Dart. But if he's able to get it off, look out. We'll see what happens. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Whether you're looking for golf shirts or quarter zips, the long sleeve button up sports shirts in different types of materials, or the most comfortable and good looking shorts and pants that you will find anywhere, Genteel's got you covered. You can find them at men's specialty stores all across the state of Mississippi and the Southeast or online at genteelapparel.com. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. Go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Cokie Riley joins us right now to talk some LSU football. And Cokie, we were talking before the break about the, the line on this game between LSU and Ole Miss and the fact that it, it just really doesn't make that much sense. LSU a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, it has stayed at that number throughout the, the course of the week. It appears as if there's a lot of public money that has come in on LSU and maybe smart money, sharp money that has kind of sided with Ole Miss. When you look at it, does it make sense to you, given the fact that you've seen this LSU team throughout the course of the year? Um, I think it may – I mean, a lot of it depends on what you think of Ole Miss because I think the general public is a little bit, um, I guess, shady on LSU because of the Arkansas game and – um, how much closer they thought that game was going to be. I mean, last week, I think that spread was at, what, 17 and a half points between LSU and Arkansas. And that game ended up, you know, LSU only ended up winning by three. So, um, I, I think, I, I think Vegas kind of, I, I think LSU kind of burned Vegas last week. And now they're just, now I think there's, um, some more skepticism around LSU again after, uh, their really explosive performance against Mississippi State. And uh, so I actually could kind of understand that from just like a bigger picture, more public view. But um, I think this, is gonna be a, this could be a really tough matchup for LSU. I think Ole Miss is a good team. I think that's also part of this, right? Like, we don't know exactly how good Ole Miss is. I know last week was a 
helped a lot in terms of understanding how good that team is mm-hmm. or, or not good that team is. But um, I, I think this week might even be more instructional um, just given how uh, it, it's, 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 another, it's another sample for us to see them play a really good team. What part of the matchup do you think should be most concerning for LSU? It's probably, I mean, it always comes back to the defense for LSU and and that secondary. So it it has to be the fact that it's just Lane Kiffin's reputation for creating explosive plays and um, getting the passing game going. Jackson Dart's aggressiveness and ability and uh, willingness to throw balls downfield into the tight spots and um, LSU secondary is the weakness of this team, and uh, if, if Ole Miss gets its passing game going and um, can stave off LSU's rusher, pass rushers with a decent rushing attack and um, some other some other quips, then uh, it, it, it could definitely give LSU some trouble in this game. Because I mean, it was just it was it was Arkansas's passing game that kept them in the game against um, LSU. It wasn't their vaunted rushing attack. So uh, I, I really do think that. You know, if, El- if Ole Miss is going to win this game, Jackson Dart has to play well. Visiting with Cokie Riley covers uh, LSU for the advertiser in Lafayette and for uh, USA Today Sports. Um, Harold Perkins Jr. So, you know, so much talk about him in the offseason. And the, mm-hmm. the not position move, because he's still a linebacker, but kind of where they were going to line him up, that they were going to move him to the inside, uh, that he was going to become a more complete player. And that kind of blew up in their face against Florida State in the opener. I mean, it was like he was almost a no-show in that game. They made a pretty quick about face. What have you seen since the opener against Florida State from Harold Perkins Jr.? Since the opener against Florida State, I'd say he's more or less playing the spot that he did last season. Um, As in, not not necessarily like an edge rusher, but a linebacker plays on the edges. See ball hit ball, you know, it's see ball get ball sort of sort of role, and um, and b- because of that, it's it, it, it they're kind of shying more away, shying away from their nickel packages a little bit more, and part of that's also because of the injuries they have in the secondary. But um, but now you know it's a four man front, three linebackers, and then the rover is pretty much Harold and. He, they and they're just giving they, by doing this, it's less responsibility on his plate, and, um, and he can just react and play instead of having to, you know, sit in the middle of sit in the box and have to, you know, hit the run and, and do all these other extra things that he just wasn't used to doing last season. And um, I, I think all that extra responsibility really bogged him down in the Florida State game. And uh, I think we've seen a freer and better Harold Perkins. Just so far this season, but he hasn't been. He, we haven't seen like the breakout sort of performance that we saw against Arkansas or even against Alabama. We we haven't. He hasn't quite, um, I guess, broken through so far this season. Even if he's done enough over the last couple of weeks to know that he's still a really good football player. If you go back to the off season, Koki, is this something that Harold Perkins wanted to do? Because we we heard a lot of talk from Brian Kelly and the, the staff about you know what this was what was was best for the team and best for him long term. But did did Harold Perkins ever go on and say, "Yeah, this is this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be"? Um, to be fully transparent, uh, the local media here has not had the chance to speak with Harold Perkins since he's arrived at LSU um, uh, for one reason or another. Um, so I we don't know exactly what he thinks about this, but 
I, I, I mean, I, I'd have to think that after what they saw in the Florida State game, what he, he saw his performance in the Florida State game, they definitely reevaluated uh, the sort of role that he, they were going to put him in this defense. And um, I think the, I think I was a little bit more open to the idea of having him play more inside this season because the way they pitched it wasn't, you know, he's going to be our Brian Urlacher. You know that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't really uh, that that wasn't really what they were saying. They were saying that by using him more, by allowing him to play inside more, it just gives us more versatility and flexibility in this defense, and makes it harder for offenses to game plan around him. And that just made sense to me. But and then when we saw it in practice at the Florida State game, they just basically you know kept him in the box and didn't and had him, you know, just stare at Jordan Travis and be a spy the entire time. And that just didn't really make any sense. So uh, they didn't really deliver on the, on the promise that they were pitching at the, during the beginning of the season. And, uh, and, and now they're kind of back to square one with, with the role that they gave him last year. And um, I think that's probably the best for, for everyone involved. It, it, you know, it, it just allows Harold to play more free and, um, just gives a more explosive explosive option for LSU's defense. Koki, last thing for you: this wide receiver group, and you know, two weeks ago against Mississippi State, it was the Malik Neighbors show. Last week, it was the Malik Neighbors and the Brian Thomas show. I, I, I don't think you can discount Kyron Lacey and you know maybe some of the other guys that they've got that, that they run out here. How good is this group of receivers collectively? I think it's quite good, and I think it's quite deep. Um, we haven't seen a ton of production from the from their other options this season, and I, I think that's more of them just being really, just really wanting to get the ball to Malik Neighbors and Malik Neighbors' hands and Brian Thomas's hands because um, I mean Aaron Anderson was a borderline five star guy, and he's played a little bit more recently. Chris Hilton has a ton of speed, and I think he was ahead of Malik Neighbors. In in the in the recruiting rankings when they first came to LSU, and you mentioned Kyron Lacey, he had an awesome spring and a, and a very good fall. So uh, there, there's a lot of talent there. Um, there's a lot of veteran options. Uh, I mean, I didn't even get into like they they have a whole bunch of you know highly touted freshmen as well. Really haven't seen the field at all. Who will probably be uh, all, all of whom, many of them at least, will be contributors for this team someday. So, yeah, I think they have a ton of depth. They have a ton of options there. They have more depth at tight end now, and Mason Taylor is a big factor for them in the, in the passing game. So right now it kind of looks like they only have one one or two options in terms of weapons, but um, there's certainly quite a bit of talent there. And, and they're really the only issues that they've run into over the last year or two is just uh, dropping passes and concentration drops, and uh, that's been that's been an issue for them over the last, uh, over the last, uh, really since Brian Kelly's taken over, but um, the last couple of weeks they've been really good at catching. They've been they've done a good job of hauling in passes, of course. So, yeah. um, and, of, and I didn't even mention I didn't even get into Malik Neighbors that much. He's been one of the best receivers in the country so far this year. Uh, I, think, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people in Mississippi that saw that up close and personal a couple of weeks ago. And I got to tell you, Koki, I'm surprised. Not even surprised. I'm shocked to hear from you that LSU has a stable of young, highly talented touty, uh, talent that's just waiting its turn. It just blows my mind. I don't know how they do it. Hey, well, thanks so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. Good catching up this afternoon, and hope we can talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it.
That's uh, Koki Riley, uh, USA Today Sports, covers uh, LSU for the South Region there and also for the Advertiser, based out of uh, Lafayette. Were you guys as blown away as I was to, to find out that LSU's got <laughs> no. some young, talented receivers that are just waiting their turn? Next thing you're going to tell me is Alabama's got a boatload of defensive linemen just waiting to become superstars. Unless he's got a better defensive line than Alabama does right now. Eh, you're not wrong. Alabama's got the back end of the defense, though. I was telling somebody last night, if you could combine those two units, like the, the, the back seven of, of Alabama and the front four from LSU, whoo, that'd be no fun for anybody. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. You guys see nobody won the Powerball last night? What are we up to? 925 milli. How many linebackers does that buy, I wonder? Who cares? At least a couple. Got to. Cash value of that, 432,400,000? No, I mean, it's not even a half bill. What am I wasting my time for? 432,400,000. You ready for here we are. Finance talk with Richard Cross. Cross money. Little over, little over a quarter billion dollars by a pretty after, sick decanter. After taxes, <laughs> <laughs> and you could fill that bad boy with whatever you wanted to. Yeah, you could. You could probably go the cross route and get somebody to fill that decanter for you with that kind of money. Borky you never have to decant again. To have somebody work for him? <laughs> Not that closely. Borky, like I, mean, I would have know, servants, but I hate people. Yeah. I mean, can I get you anything else, sir? Hey, leave me alone, all right? How about that? You could just get out of here. Or it could be like, could you sing me some Christmas carols? Really like it when people be- oh, announced. Man, beach house, mountain house, and then a professional sports team. It's so easy. I mean, life after winning the lottery. Got bad news is so for you, Borky. Got bad news for you. Yeah, buying a professional sports team for a quarter well, billion like dollars. like an ECHL, like a minor league hockey team or something. You can maybe get an MLS team, one of the bad ones. Yeah. Get the San Jose team. I don't know. Something like that. Or just a – one day somebody is just going to do pull an L.A. Rams on college football or basketball. Like the guy, uh, the, the Houston booster. Tillman Fertitta. Tillman Fertitta. One day – I mean, he already does well with helping Houston acquire talent in basketball. But one day he's going to be like, you know what? Forget it. Five star five, or or he'll just hey coach, that guy in the transfer portal. Here's a million dollars. Go get him. Here's a million dollars for that seven foot five star that shoots threes. Go get him. And he's gonna spend like ten million bucks, which to a guy like him is a is a rounding error. And he's gonna build the greatest college basketball team to ever live. And just do it one time, get a championship, and then he'll go back to, you know. Trying to make the Rockets. If good. you get one national title, totally worth it, and it should take care of itself from that point going forward. Exactly. Once you get one, then you get things start rolling. Except in baseball, doesn't happen like that in baseball at all, at all. <laughs> we have three-year sample size of that. 
You want a national title what? in baseball, program comes to a grinding halt. What did it cost? Everything. The evaluation Everything. of the, um, the least expensive MLS team, mm-hmm. the Colorado Rapids at $350 yeah. million. Oh, well, that's, that's too much. That, I wouldn't and, pay and, that. Yeah, no, me and you know who owns them? Stan Kroenke. Oh, that guy's just got money to burn. Yeah. They're, they're what about a WNBA team? Lucas and Union. We could, we could easily get a WNBA team. Come on. What about would NH, no NHL would be more valuable than MLS? So I'd have to go oh, minor. Yeah, you could get one. That you could bring one to Mississippi. There's Build one in the Mississippi. arena yourself. Yeah. Well, there you go. Buy um, them. That'd be great. Bring back Nash- the Jackson Bandits. Nashville SC, five hundred million dollar valuation. Five hundred. That's too much. Dollar valuation. That's too much. And that was on forty six. Now you got me wondering, like, what's the valuation for Real Madrid if it's five hundred million for Nashville FC? Man. Uh, Atlanta United FC eight hundred fifty million, and uh, the Los Angeles Football Club one billion dollars. Well, Atlanta United Real actually Madrid, twenty wins billion, there. and your actual soul. Yeah, I mean, at least Atlanta United wins. You know, the Falcons uh, are just an embarrassment to the city. I, I, I yeah. mean, Atlanta United did eighty-one million in wow. uh, in revenue. Speaking so there's, of there's Atlanta, a 10x valuation on these teams. That's incredible. I mean, it shows you what the only thing valuable on television already is, but what it's about to be. It's we are we are very fastly approaching that sports is the only thing people pay for on linear television. Like that that is where we're headed. That everything else television wise it will just be streamed through a service. That it's going to be sports and, and basically sports only. I mean, it had Real Madrid six point oh seven billion. Six point oh seven billion. I saw that. That's crazy. It's a lot of money. But speaking of Atlanta, by the way, we got to bring this up. I know it's it's a you know Thursday of football week, but uh, history was made on the diamond in Atlanta last night. Forty seventy. A fraternity. Can you imagine being in a fraternity of one? So it's not really a fraternity say, at that point. It's not, it's not a Mount Rushmore either. No, it's a Mount Everest. Yeah. Um, You're all by yourself up there. You know, they, they, they say that the, the United States Senate uh, the United States Senate is the most exclusive fraternity in the in the world. I don't know. Ronald Acuna would like a word. There are women in that. Yeah, well, ex- yes. Fraternal organization. Thanks. I guess. I suppose. It's, it's incredible. Try, I'm just trying to, just trying to, you know. Yes, it is. I, I remember when Canseco was. 40 home runs and 70 steals. I remember when Canseco hit 40-40, and, and that was like, it was almost like he, they said he walked to the moon. It was the most incredible sporting thing ever that this guy had 40-40, and now we're at 40-70. That's insane. He is special. The Braves really are special. They're paying a million dollars a year. I know what a steal, but but man, the the Braves are special. It, it's it, baseball is such a sport of volatility, right? I mean, we talk about it every year. There are there are reasons why Coastal Carolina can win a national championship in baseball. It was a good team, but was that the best team in college baseball that year? Probably not. Uh, and a similar principle applies to the major league level. But man, 
anything short of winning the World Series would not... Uh, disappointing is maybe not the right word, but that wouldn't be them at their... Ma- I mean, th- this is the best team in baseball, clearly. Do, do you guys know off the top of your head how many members there are currently in the 40-40 club? I don't. I think it's like four. It was four. It's five. Okay, it's five the now. Of Ronald wow. Acuna. In the American mm-hmm. League... Jose Canseco did it with the Athletics in 1988. Mm-hmm. How did he get did 40 steals? And he hit it on the number. It was 42 home runs yeah. and 40 steals. Yeah. A-Rod yeah. in 98 with the Mariners went 42 home runs, 46 stolen bases. Barry mm-hmm. Bonds in 96. Was he already with the Giants in 96? Mm-hmm. 42 and 40. Alfonso Soriano with the Nationals in 2006 went 46-41. One of these things is not like the other. And now Ronald Acuna Jr. with the 2023 Atlanta Braves has gone 41 home runs and 70 stolen bases. Uh, Fair or foul, the Cubs broadcast getting, I mean, you couldn't see them, so visibly angry, but audibly angry that the game in the 10th inning was stopped for a video montage, and he got the base. Fair or foul, the Cubs broadcast being mad about that game stopping in that spot for that moment. Do the Cubs not remember, like, the entire world shutting down for Sammy Sosa and the steroids? Do, do we not remember how what we did for that guy when he hit home runs? Every home run was a parade out there on Addison. Yeah, it's it's foul that they got upset. Video montage may be a bit much, but yes, he gets the base. He he gets to bend over and pull the Ricky Henderson and pull the bag out of the ground and hold it above his head. Yes, 100%. He deserves that. So is that um, the Cubs TV people? Hey, that's Boog Shambi now, isn't it? On Marquee? Wouldn't think that Boog would be. Oh, okay. You're more versed on uh, who's who's calling the uh, the Major League Baseball games than I am. I, uh, I assume. Yeah, I remember Boog Shambi left ESPN and Sunday Night Baseball a couple of years ago for uh, for the Cubs and Marquee Sports Network. Speaking of the Cubs, shout out Dan Patrick. Stat of the day. Stat of the day. Pop pop. Here it is. Since September 16th, the Cubs have had a lead in seven different. Innings on the road in the eighth or later. They blew the lead in the bottom half of all seven of those innings. No other MLB team in the modern era has blown the lead in more than five straight road games in the eighth or later in which they had a lead. They had a 4-3 lead in the 10th at Arizona, a 5-4 lead in the 11th, a 6-5 lead in the 13th. That's all the same game. Blew a 6-5 lead in the 8th at Atlanta. Blew a 3-2 lead in the 8th at Atlanta. Blew a 4-3 lead in the 9th at Atlanta. Blew a 5-4 lead in the 10th at Atlanta. Wow. A record collapse from the Cubs' bullpen. Unprecedented. Yeah. So, if um, if we give you a number, like, like if, we're, if we're talking specifically about stats... In a segment, and we give you a specific number 
and you then correct us on the number that we give you, did you even bother to look it up? Or did you just, like, make something up for the sake of saying you're wrong? Like, when you say, I think Ronald has 46 home runs. Well, guess what? I think you're wrong. Actually, I know you're wrong. He has 41. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. what it sounded like last night in Atlanta on the Cubs television broadcast with uh, Boog Shambi and Jim Deshays in the the bottom of the 10th inning after Ronald Acuna Jr. stole his 70th base. And we're really stopping the game. Can we get the the base? After the game? I mean, this is... Oh, jeez. This is pretty absurd. I mean, it, it's just a hell. Fix your internet oh, over there, bud. Buffer. Totally. Is Twitter buffer like that sometimes. It's like I'm just watching the video and it just like stops to rebuffer six times. Jeez. Elon. <sighs> so, yes, they were none too happy. Hey, they were they were displeased. And, and then Ozzy Albee steps up and. Rips a base hit, and Ronald Acuna Jr. scores the game-winning run for the Braves to win six to five in the bottom of the tenth. I can't win, by the way. So, so when when you guys bring up baseball during football season, I say we shouldn't talk about college. We shouldn't talk about baseball at all. But college baseball during football season, and the Texans like, oh, Michael, baseball's always good around here. I bring up baseball, a historic night, and we get okay. Can we talk about football or Swifties or something? I can't win. Hey. hey. College baseball is good around here. Well, I feel like the Atlanta Braves, having an affiliate here, eh. a ton of Braves fans here, historical night, record broken, I'm, unprecedented thing that the, happened to what I'm is Mississippi's favorite a, baseball team. I'm on the verge of nailing my Giants prediction. Feeling Which really was good about 500? it. 500? 500. 81 up, 81 down. That's that's I'm, I'm I'm almost there. They're they're seventy eight and eighty one, so they got they got to sweep Ooh. this final series. I don't know if that's Ooh. the case. They're going to be able to do that or not. So, but this team got three they in do that, I'll, I'll, They did back in June. I was going to say this was a great April May baseball team. There is beauty in that. Yeah. For like, I'm jealous of of baseball. I, I wish I had a major league baseball team because a not good Giants team. If you're a Giants fan. You had 81 days where your team won. Well, 78 so far. 78 days so far. 78. But you could get to, yeah. you would, like, the season wouldn't be good, but 81 days you got to go to sleep thinking, hey, Giants won today. They got 101 two years ago. That was exciting, yeah. but didn't go anywhere. See, that, that's where baseball the fans have it right. Wins? No, they made the playoffs. They lost in the NLDS to the two, of course, the Dodgers. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Did you? I, I forgot. Yeah, I don't really yeah. die with the Giants. Are the Yankees going to make the playoffs this year? I, I understand. No. Who? No, they're not. No. No, they're they were, not. They Richard and I will be uh, so ago. enjoying the same amount of postseason baseball with our teams. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you have uh, teams that have clinched playoff spots at this point, Baltimore and Tampa in the American League East. 
Minnesota, the only team that's going to make it from the Central. And then you get three teams in the West, and they're fighting for, what, a division title and one wildcard spot. Kyle, I love you, but saying the Braves' glory days are gone is kind of crazy with the recent World Series. <laughs> they won the World Series two years ago. Say, are are they the best team in baseball this year? They're the best uh, team in baseball this year. Braves and Phillies from the NL East, Brewers in the Central, and out West, the Dodgers. And National League's got a pretty good uh, pretty good wild card race going right now. Um, right now you have Tampa Bay holding one of the wild card spots. And they're going to hold on to that. They've clinched it. And then Toronto and Houston and Seattle all fighting for uh, for the other two. So pretty uh, pretty fun stuff. Is it the, the Mariners that have the the playoff series streak or the playoff streak? Uh, like, what is it, like 29 years? Without getting there? Yeah. No, it hasn't been that long. It doesn't uh, seem right. It couldn't have I been, got yeah. This. Okay. While you're getting that, I mean, they won the you World you Series can... in 03. Do what? They won the World Series in 03, didn't they? The Marlins? The Mariners? Oh, the Mariners. I thought he said the, the Marlins. The Mariners. My bad. My bad guy. Yeah, the, uh, the Mariners, uh, 1977 to 2022. Without a World Series. No. Longest streak. Oh, World, I was oh, okay. say World Series. I mean, World Series. Yeah, the they've Yankees been in the playoffs. In the yeah. yeah. Mid, mid late 90s. Yeah. They've been in the I mean, those were some yeah. battles. Whew. Uh, don't forget, Polk's Pick Six is up. Supertalk.fm slash Polk's. Supertalk.fm slash Polk's. It's really simple. You pick six winners, and you give us a uh, tiebreaker, and uh, you give us a little bit of personal information so that if you win, we can follow up with you and uh, get your prize package to you. This week's games, LSU at Ole Miss, Alabama at Mississippi State, Texas State at Southern Miss, A&M, Arkansas in Arlington, South Carolina at Tennessee, Notre Dame, Duke. And, yes, uh, we realize there's a typo there. Click option one. They fixed it. Notre Dame. They fixed oh, is it, it fixed? Okay. Good. I, I kind of um, wish they would kept option one and do. Yep. Total points in LSU Ole Miss. Yes. Name, cell phone, email. It's that easy. The Catholic Church is always option one. <laughs> this guy. This guy. Not for everyone. Huh? Uh, you want to take this discussion any further? No. Okay. Just, uh, can uh, I? Can I? Uh, uh. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi College Football Fix is next. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon starting at 3 on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Has Borky still got the energy that he had at 306? I do. Faded a bit. I've got the energy because uh, nostalgia is going to be the name of the college football or the theme of the college football fix. uh, I associate nostalgia. Good. And I think this conversation may carry plenty of that for uh, for a while. Uh, We're glad to be with you, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more online at pearlriverresort.com. C Spire, best in wireless. 
Yep. Best in home internet? Mm-hmm. What about IT business services? They got you covered. If you need more of those, check out the best in Mississippi at cspire.com. Um, thanks for being with us. It is time right now for the College Football Fix. And it's driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. That's right, one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. you got three college football games coming up tonight. Middle Tennessee State at Western Kentucky. Temple at Tulsa. Jacksonville State at Sam Houston State. If you're jonesing in the state of Mississippi to watch football in person, Big slate of games at the JUCO level tonight. Southwest is at Kapaya Lincoln. Jones at East Central. Kahoma and Holmes tonight. Northeast is at Mississippi Delta. Got Mississippi Gulf Coast at East Mississippi. That'll be a big one in Scuba. Hines and Pearl River and Northwest on the road tonight to face Itawamba. So a full slate of games that get started at uh, 630 those first three games are at 6.30, and then the uh, last four that we listed there all coming your way at 7 o'clock tonight. So that's your community college football schedule tonight in the Magnolia State. So, Borky, the nostalgia question is what? Uh, so these two games, uh, despite the, the aforementioned fan feeling uh, about them, are rooted in history. A lot of... Uh, historic wins and games have been played between Mississippi State and Alabama and Ole Miss and LSU. So I kind of want to know what you guys, especially since you've lived it your whole lives especially, what one stands out to you the the most? And same thing on the text line, whether it was like a, a big win or a great weekend or like you had a bachelor party or something like that. I don't know. But what is your favorite Mississippi State-Alabama game and your favorite Ole Miss-LSU game from the past? Hey, Probably going to be a options, don't you? Uh, <laughs> I got some. Okay. Would you like to hear them? All right. Sure. Uh, to win the Wayback Machine here. Um, the two that stand out the, the most year for was me. was 1947, I believe it was. You know what's funny about that is 47 was the last year State didn't play Alabama. That's I don't know how you pulled that off there, but that's pretty funny. Um, the things not, that are inside this noggin <laughs> surprise you sometimes. Because, because we're smart. Uh, 96 stands out to me. That's the, you know I, I wasn't at 1980. I am the literally the only MSU fan alive that wasn't in the Memorial Stadium in 1980 when State beat Alabama uh, six to three. But I was there in 96, first win in Starkville since God knows when. Um, first win in 16 years. Uh, the comfort, they came from behind in that game. Yeah, a typical Alabama-Mississippi State game at that time where State played well and had the lead, and then in the fourth quarter Alabama gets the lead, and you're like, okay, it's over now. And uh, they hit Reggie Kelly with a long pass. He was a catch and run, took it all the way down to like the 20 and then they kick a field goal to get the lead and then play defense the rest of the way and got the win. That was a fun night. It's the first time I, I was ever part of a field storming. It was fun, Borky. You wouldn't believe it. It was incredible to storm your own field. Day. They are awesome. And then the the 2007 game with the pick six, the 100-yard pick six, that even today may be the loudest 
that I've ever heard just the crowd. You know, it's one thing when the cowbells are going, but that's one where you're, you know, they didn't have the cowbell compromise in place yet. So while there were cowbells in there, it's not to the amount that it is now. But just the place was shaking. And uh, being there for that, uh, that, that was, that was a, a really fun moment for me. So those are the two that I would, I would put up off the top of my head. I had a bunch on the, um, the Ole Miss LSU front. Now, LSU clearly has, has had the upper hand in the series, uh, significant. But you, um, what, I'll give you one. What year was Jeremiah Masoli at Ole Miss? 10. 2010. That game should have been so incredibly lopsided, and it just wasn't. Final in that game, LSU won 43-36. And I watched that game from a sports bar in Connecticut. Hartford, Connecticut. It was one of those Ole Miss basketball early season tournaments, and I was doing radio for that. It's like, how's Ole Miss hit it? You got your hopes up just to the point, and then... Didn't, didn't finish out that way. That's not my best memory. Borky, you said you had one, and then I'll come back but and the, give you a couple. One of that's it's, it's 2013, and that's not like the most iconic win or anything, but if you remember what Ole Miss was up against that night in terms of available players, they had something like 55 or 56 available scholarship players that night. They were, I mean, just was Zach Mettenberger, right? That was yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Zach Mettenberger yeah. uh, was intercepted uh, three times uh, mm-hmm. in that game, uh, including by Chief Brown. Shout out Winona, Mississippi. Um, Chief Brown. Wow. Yeah, a uh, cool guy. That Chief. We hung out in college some. I wonder what he's doing now. But um, Ole Miss was so severely overmatched in that game that that should have never been close at all, and yet. Bo Wallace played well, and Dante Moncrief shows you why he had a, a really nice NFL career. And Andrew Ritter uh, made the kick, and and they beat LSU that night. Had no business whatsoever winning that game, and they did it. So the 97-98-99 stretch was a really oh, fun time. I that. So Ole Miss won three in a row. 97, I was in high school. Uh, I was a junior in high school in the fall of 97. And was supposed to go to the game. But was unable to go to the game because I had um, driving school. Oh, no. I I had a ticket. And uh, so I was trying to keep the ticket from, you know, going on to my record. And so paid the whatever money you had to pay. And, um... At the time, Oxford Police Chief Steve Bramlett was teaching the defensive driving course for those who were trying to avoid um, having a, a ticket go on their permanent record. And, and so it starts at, whatever, it's 8.39, and you go until lunch, and they gave us a break, and then you had to come back from after lunch. And that was a uh, that was a Jefferson – it was either a CBS game or a Jefferson Pilot game. I'm pretty sure it was a Jefferson Pilot game in 97. It was. And so I leave to go to lunch and grab whatever – 
and I'm listening to the game on the radio. Maybe I found somewhere to watch it on TV for half an hour at lunch. I don't remember what it was. So we come back, and the game's fairly entertaining, and the defensive driving course less so. And so I decide that I'm going to go with the old tried-and-true hide the Walkman in my waistband and run the cord up through the sleeve and have the earphones in while I'm sitting on the back row of the class. And the game gets really good. And there's a video that's playing that's showing a rather serious depiction. And about the time a crash occurs on the screen. Oh, no. A large play happens in the game that I am listening to, and I go, yeah! (laughs) And Chief Bramlett pauses the video, (laughs) and he looks at me, and he goes, sorry, what? (laughs) And I've known Chief Bramlett forever. I mean, he, like, was at our high school football games, and I said... Chief, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, he's like, what, what? I said, Ole Miss just took the lead. There's like eight minutes left, and he just stared at me. He goes, "You mean to tell me you've been sitting back there listening to the football game and haven't given me a single update?" <laughs> ah, yes, uh, yes, that's great, that's great. Yes, uh, and, Ole Miss and won you, that you game didn't, in you didn't set this. St- you didn't set the stage for that enough. I don't know if Borky knows, but LSU had beaten Florida the week before when they were the number one team in the nation. Oh, wow. And Ole Miss goes down there. I never, I'll never forget that because I worked with an Ole Miss fan at the time, and I told him, I was like, man, y'all are going to win this game. I can, I can feel it. LSU is going to be too high. This is a trap game. Y'all are going down there to win. Early and, start. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, I saw him at work the next day. He was like, I should have bet on it. You, you were right. I was like, that's the only time I ever got one right, I guess. We'll, we'll go down the memory lane on the uh, the nostalgia train on those next two, 98 and 99 after this. Uh, well, actually, we'll do that a little bit later. Steve Jent from the Sanderson Farms Championship will join us next. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Off Mississippi radio stations. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. This weekend, the eyes of the golf world are on Rome, Italy. But next weekend, the eyes of the golf world will be on Jackson, Mississippi, and the Sanderson Farms Championship. Steve Gent joins us right now, executive director of the Sanderson Farms Championship. I know you have reached the extreme busyness portion of the uh, the preparation. Thanks so much for uh, for working us in. How's it going this week? It's going good, and uh, you're right. We we have kind of hit the hit the peak. You know, to some extent, this is our maybe this is our busiest week. And next week, it's you know it's a train rolling downhill, and you just can't stop it. Right? Um, it's going good. It's going good. Um, the weather. You know, which is something we always watch, right? And since we're an outdoor sport, the weather for next week looks amazing. Um, the course is in great shape. Uh, I like what you just said. What I always like to tell everybody is 
the highest level of professional golf in the world will be played in Jackson, Mississippi next week at the Sanderson Farms Championship. So um, I actually got two European Tour Ryder Cuppers in the field, and um, uh, Ludwig Auberg and Nicholas Hojgaard. And so um, got excited to see, you know, what kind of mood they're in when they get here next week. But um, I'm excited. It's going to be really good. Going to have a lot of fun next week. And and Ludwig Auberg, who you just mentioned a second, played his college golf at, at Texas Tech and has kind of taken the DP World Tour, I think I got it right, formerly the European Tour, by storm, right? He's been playing really, really good golf. Really, really well, right? Um, you know, one – um, one earlier this year, just a, a, I've met him once back at the Arnold Palmer Invitational in March. Probably wouldn't you know remember to me from Adam, but really a nice young man. Um, and yeah, he's he's ascended you know, rapidly um, to to where he's at right now. You know, as a Ryder Cup pick, so be fun to watch him um, for sure. Steve, give us a, you, you released uh, a couple of days ago the uh, the field uh, at least as it stands right now. So so a couple of questions. Uh, well, I want you to give us some highlights from your perspective and and not picking favorites, but just some names that people recognize. And then number two, is this final or could this still change between now and next Thursday? Uh, it could change a little bit, right? Um, you know, it's going to tomorrow. So. The field has to be "quote unquote" mocked in with the PGA Tour tomorrow at 5 p.m. Central. So, if a player is going to commit to playing in the field next week, um, he has to let them know by 5 p.m. Eastern. Sorry, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. So, um, but after that, there could be you know, there's four Monday qualifying positions that come out of that Monday qualifier um, that guys that aren't in the field that'll come in Monday night. But I have to submit my sponsor exemptions by tomorrow night. Um, you know, I, a player could withdraw. So, uh, uh, you know, we talk. We always take a look at the alternates. Somebody gets hurt, something comes up, somebody decides to withdraw after tomorrow's, you know, commitment deadline. Then you could have another, you know, player get in. Um, but it's 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 fairly it's fairly set right now. I mean, our you know our eligibility standpoint, our, our I don't say best player in the world, but maybe the most. Well-known players in the world are Webb Simpson's coming here for the first time since 2010. Kevin Kisner's going to play. There's 28 players in the field that have won in the last two years, uh, including a, a young guy that we gave a pick to a few years ago, Akshay Bacha. Cameron Chance back to defend. So I've got 16 past champions. Um, it's just, you know, there's going to Joel Damon's here. I think everybody's familiar with Joel from the – if we've watched the full swing episode on Netflix, um, I'm just I'm just really excited about a lot of the names that are going to be here. I just think it's going to be you know three guys from Mississippi: Chad Ramey, Hayden Buckley, Davis Riley. I think the competition is going to be really really good next week. Are are any of those three Mississippi guys players that have previously played this event on a sponsor's exemption? Um. I believe, well, yes. I mean, two of the three, right? Hayden did, uh, gave Hayden one, I believe it was back in 2018. And then uh, Davis Riley um, coming out of the COVID year. I don't think Chad, We, you know, Chad kind of got here on his own before, you know, we really had to help him out. He just, he got here one of the Dominican a couple years ago. So two of the three had been here on an exemption in the past, yes. 
And, and the reason that I ask that, Steve, I feel like, I mean, you have to be careful with how you use those, right? I mean, you, you want to you want to draw fans, you want to generate local interest, but you also want to make sure that deserving guys are getting them, and it's not like some publicity stunt. And it's really cool that a couple of guys who were part of your tournament following outstanding amateur careers that had ties to the state of Mississippi and were trying to get there have now gotten to the point where they get there on their own merit. Yeah, right. And, you know, a guy like Chad who wins, Davis Davis won in the New Orleans event um, with Nick Hardy in the spring. It's a lot of fun to see those guys that you've helped out kind of with a little leg up. And we've, I think we've done a nice job. You know, my executive committee rotates a little bit every year with with my president and treasurer and secretary. And, you know, I think we've done a nice job, though, in picking, you know, honoring some veterans, but also trying to, you know, give a hand up to some of the younger guys uh, on the PGA Tour. I think it I think it even becomes a little more important, and we have to be a little more thoughtful even now in that, you know, that the fall is now a continuation of the FedEx Cup points for the guys that didn't make the playoffs and didn't secure their card. So I think, you know, it, it causes us to be a little more thoughtful in terms of, hey, we could be helping out an existing PGA Tour player, you know, maintain his tour card, you know, how do we how do we balance that with you know giving a younger player trying to make it you know a hand up? But I think we've I think we've done a nice job of that over the years, and I, I think we'll continue to do so. So, do you have to keep the the sponsors exemption names private until you turn them into the tour, or can you share those? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I probably should because things can change, right? There's, there's some guys that can get in, or so. I I always don't want to release them until I talk to the player first. And um, I haven't done that yet, so um, I just I mean, wanted to know, give you a chance to break well, news right here on the radio. I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's just let's we can let's try to do it maybe tomorrow. We can, yeah. You know, um, it's just you want to let a guy know because you also don't want guys to hear it from someone else other than me that they're not coming in, right? So, yeah. um, but I think you know I think everybody's going to be pretty pretty pleased and with the level of golf they're going to see next week. Yeah, really, really cool. So you started out saying courses in in great condition. Kind of give us an update. We talked about it. I guess it was what two weeks ago when you were on about. Yeah, there's been a lack of rain, but they've done a really good job. Got their own watering system. People have yeah. raved year after year yeah. after year. When I say people, I'm talking about professionals have raved about the the condition of the course. Uh, walk us through quickly what we're looking at. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't been out there to to write it yet, but our. Um... You know, every tournament has a, a, a advanced agronomy official that comes in Monday, Tuesday of the week before, works with the superintendent on everything final. I, I talked to our official a couple of days ago. He's very, very pleased with what he sees so far. Um, I think I think the guys, will see the, when they get here, they're going to see firm and fast conditions, which they want. Mm-hmm. The, the tournament's there at the end of the year. Um, you know, a little hot, a little humid. They had to keep, keep some things alive. But I don't think they're going to see that here. Uh, you know, it's a fine line, right? The Stanley Reedy has to keep the has to keep the golf course alive, and he has to do the right things, you know, for the membership, but also try to get ready to prepare a golf course for PGA Tour professionals. So he and his assistants have just done an amazing job, and you know, we we appreciate the, the memberships had to be kind of on on the path here the last few weeks, and they might have had to do that if we weren't there or not. It's been it's been really dry, right? Yeah. And if you, you know, and that's just, that's just hard to keep 
some of those dry areas from being too dry. And, um, you know, how do you keep it firm and fast, but also keep the golf course alive? It's a, it's a, it's a balance in that, but I think, um, I think the guys will really like what they come and see next week. I, I know guys love the greens and, and have talked about that a lot. Are, are they okay with them being basically as fast as you want to make them as long as the pin positions are fair? Yeah, I, I think what whatever I have to remember is that you know the a PJ Tour event on a week in week out basis is 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 dictated. You know what the, a lot of it's dictated by television. Right, it's a televised product that you're trying to hit some TV windows on Saturday and Sunday, and so you can't let the whole locations be too crazy. Because uh, it's it's just going to cause play to slow down, and when you're trying to get 144 guys around the golf course on Thursday, Friday, when you're trying to hit that TV window on Saturday and Sunday, you know they're they're looking for relatively flat spots to to put those whole locations. But I don't think the guys are afraid of fast. I think they're afraid of unfair hole locations, but fast. And the, you know the one thing about our greens, I think, is that they're very they're very true. Um, not a lot of, not a lot of, um, not a lot of grain in them. And I think that's, that's what they like. They just want consistent, fast, uh, but fair, fair golf. I mean, we, you know, you're, you're shooting for 6 PM Eastern, both Saturday and Sunday. And so we're, we're trying to, you know, guide everything towards that. Steve, you're the best man. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. We look forward to seeing the final list and, uh, we'll see you in person next week. Yeah, tell everybody to go to everything they want to know about the tournament, SandersonFarmsChampionship.com. Help us come out next week and raise a bunch of money for Mississippi Charity. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Sending us messages on the ceasefire text line about your favorite memories from Ole Miss LSU or Mississippi State Alabama. Keep them coming. 601-879-4395. We will make sure that we uh, well, we will do our best to uh, uncover those messages and talk to you about them, uh, share them with you, and you don't attach a name to it. We'd love for you to do. There was one earlier that um, that we didn't mention, just because there's a lot of games and stuff. But especially with um, recent kind of tragic events, the the Jevons need three consecutive absolutely beautiful throws, just dime, dime, dime touchdown. Silent Tiger Stadium oh. is a pretty awesome moment. So Borky's just like I was going to walk through my my memories, and Borky just said, "I'm oh, just going to take this one and just rip it away." Well, well, well bring me, it back because I wasn't well, there. Before you start, well, let me guess. Would it like surprise you to know at the time? It's like six. Would it surprise you to know that I have an Ole Miss LSU memory? I swear, if you talk about the 2003 <laughs> game, I will come not, through this I'm video not, feed and I will I'm not, beat I'm not, your face that, until you are unrecognizable I, well, to even the people well, who love you. There, 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 there's a lot of fiction in that that you just said, and the most, the least fictional thing you said was coming through the screen. But no, <laughs> uh, 
the last football game, man, I'm gonna get emotional now. I'm thinking about it. The last football game my dad and I ever saw together, because he wouldn't, he didn't like to come to Starkville. We went to the Ole Miss LSU game in Jackson in 1992. Hey, man, Papa, hey, Dad. <laughs> he just didn't like to drive that far. Uh, but yeah, we went to the game in Memorial Stadium. We didn't have tickets. Bought tickets when we 92? got to the stadium. Yeah, I was you were there, there on Halloween night. Yeah, yeah, I was there. And Ole Miss creamed LSU that night, just destroyed them. And yeah, and uh, we got, we got bought tickets when we got there, and didn't really look. They were cheap, so the guy gave us like twenty bucks a pop. And so we we're like, sure, we'll take them. Row two on the forty. We were like, my, we got down there. My dad was like, wait a minute, these are better seats than we've ever had for a state game. I was like, maybe God's trying to tell us something, Dad. I don't know. We were on the LSU side though, and. Uh, I always remember watching you were talking about the, the the radio thing. That's what sparked my memory. I had my Walkman. I was listening to State at Kentucky that night, and that's the game where Jeff Artigues blocks the field goal at the end. But State scores a touchdown during the game, and it's timeout on the field in Jackson. And the, there was a there just happened to be another State fan behind me, and State scores, and we're both standing up and high fiving and everything. And people are just looking at us like, "What is wrong with you?" No, oh, no, we got the, we got the Walkmans going. We're we're state fans. We're, we're we're listening to state. Nice. But that was the last game I ever saw with my dad uh, uh, live. So that 1992 game, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I was about to be 12. Right. So that was that was uh, October 31st, 1992, Halloween night. Hmm. Um. Guy we went to church with was a red shirt walk on, I think, quarterback. His name was Tad mm-hmm. Jones. And I've kind of gotten to be buddies with Like, he was really nice to me and had kind of gotten to be buddies with him. His roommate or one of his friends, also red shirting that year as a quarterback, was Paul Head. And I went to that game as an 11 year old. With the two of them, and one of one of their girlfriends a, as well, mm-hmm. and so we rode down to Jackson, got to go to the game, and then rode back with them. After it, Tad ended up tra- I was, uh, transferring I was 16. to Tulsa, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Paul Head stayed at Ole Miss and ended up playing, and yeah. you know, played some significant snaps uh, along the way as well. Uh, first ever trip to Memorial Stadium in Jackson. First ever Ole Miss LSU mm. game, and uh, that was my my last trip to Memorial Stadium until uh, a couple years ago. St. Al played Hartfield Academy for some odd reason at Memorial Stadium, and I went to that. But that was I, I went. I used to go every year. You know, the Egg Bowl or State would play somebody there, and we would go. Eleven year old me saw a lot that night. Also, I bet you did with um, LSU in town, yeah. Including my first ever hearing of the uh, the I'm a Rebel jingle. Oh, can't can't, can't say, say that I'm one. familiar. Yeah, can't anyway, say it on the air it's, though. It's okay. I'm a Rebel. I'm a Rebel. I'm a Rebel through and through, and I'd rather be a Rebel than a from LSU. I, I get, I got, I'm with you. We're yeah. we're on the same page. But yeah, okay. you can't. I don't think you can say that anymore. You can't. Nah. I mean, we could, but you know. Ah, yeah, let's right not. On, right on the edge. No reason. The, the, to, no the reason dump to button's like really far from me, and it's just you know. I'm... Yeah. So ninety-seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. That that three-game stretch. We talked earlier about ninety-seven. Ole Miss winning there. Ninety-eight was Tommy Tuberville when people still liked him 
on the Jumbotron with the first mm-hmm. ever pregame hottie toddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a senior in high school. And then mm-hmm. 99, my freshman year at Ole Miss, road tripped with a couple of buddies to Baton Rouge and saw Ole Miss yeah. win there. You left out another key detail of that 98 game that they brought the players through Senator the student Taylor! And I remember that. Did they? They brought the players through the stands, yeah. I knew that was a basketball like, game. I, I remember listening I remember to David Kellum. I remember listening to David Kellum. He was going ape. He was like, the players are coming. I can't even get how high his voice was. But he was like, they're coming through the stands, and you could hear the crowd just going crazy. Yeah, We should do that more often. We did that in high school, and it was awesome. We would enter through the top of our stadium down to the field that way, like through our student section and everything. That needs to be a common thing. Yeah, I, I kind of like the come out tunnel rub Chucky's head on the that is cool. On the way in, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah, don't end that tradition, but just like as a one-off, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, uh-huh. I'm with you. Um, so you you mentioned 2008 in Baton Rouge, and Jane and I went to that game. So I'd been married a couple of years at that point, and Jane has family there, and her aunt and uncle were kind enough to give us their tickets. They kind of go or not go, didn't care. So we were on about the 40 yard line, about 30 or 40 rows up on the home side. And we were low-key the whole game. We weren't like the obnoxious visiting fans that are, you know, jumping up and down and screaming. Just kind of watch the whole time. Yeah. You were? Yeah. I promise. I mean, I believe Jane. In in those (laughs) seats, yes, that was, we were going to be, we were going to be respectful. Um, Yeah. I've never seen Tiger Stadium like that since. Before or since. Ole Miss. I just get dominated that football game. Brandon Bolden had a huge day. Jevin Sneed was spectacular with those throws that were as good a throws as can be made in the game of football. Boom, boom, boom. It emptied. It was a 2.30 CBS game. When that game ended, you know, you have some people that just never leave a game early. There are probably yeah. a couple of thousand of those that were scattered about in purple and gold. And then it was like just a big red and blue Ole Miss party down in that corner of the end zone. It was incredible. Porky, I suggest that we do this every week, by the way. I like it. We we should have these. What's your favorite memory from the Mississippi State-Western Michigan game? I'll tell you after next Saturday. (laughs) No, I'm glad we did this, actually, because it, you know. I I got one from Ole Miss, Arkansas, though. Don't worry about that. But it's not just an age thing for me. I did not have the pleasure of growing up here. You know, I was I was in upstate South Carolina until the year 2010. So there was a lot of great things that have happened here that I know about. You know, over the years I've heard names and seen highlights of. Like I know about the Jevin Sneed thing. I, I probably watched that game because I watched all the college football games. But I don't I don't remember that uh, like people do. So hearing other people talk about these games with the anecdotes like last game I got to see with my dad is just stuff that you can't beat that kind of sports talk right there. Yeah. So a few of these coming in on the ceasefire text line. Let's try and squeeze these in before the, uh, before the break. Um, almost through the stands, they say was against Georgia in 97. It was not against LSU. Okay. I thought it was my bad. I I don't remember that being the case, but I'm, I'm not going to certainly not going to argue with you on that. Um, Somebody said November 19th, 2005, Patrick Willis lowers the boom on Vincent inside the five. That's I was at that game. Low. I mean, one of the greatest hits you've ever seen, right? 
Easily. Except for the one thing. He got, he got the first, first down. down. I still to this day don't think he got the first down. Yeah. Watching that live, I was like, there's no way he got the first down, and they gave it to him. Uh, Mississippi State, Alabama in Starkville. David Palmer DUI game. Students shouting, taste great, less filling all game long. It didn't work out, though. Uh, somebody said, I was at the LSU Ole Miss game on Halloween 1981. They played to a 27-27 tie. I went into the, the Navy the following January. That's from Darren and Jackson. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Eli's freshman year, I think, in Baton Rouge. You're probably thinking about the 2001 game in Baton Rouge where Eli hit Doug Ziegler in the back of the end zone. Was that 01? I got that right. Yeah, yeah. Two, I mean, that's his first year as a starter. It was a 35-24 win. So he would have been a redshirt sophomore, third year in the program, first year starting, and Ole Miss won. Uh, and it was the first. They played them in back-to-back years in Baton Rouge. Played them there in 2 again uh, as well. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. We'll wrap it up with you coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Looking for a new truck? How about a Ford F-150 from Belk Ford in Oxford? They are located on Highway 6 West. No, tons of you are coming into town this weekend. Some of you may be looking for a new vehicle. Stop by and see my friends at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West. You're coming into town just west of the Jackson Avenue Interchange. Good selection of Ford F-150s on the lot. Savings up to $9,000 on select models with approved financing They'll treat you like family. They'll be good to you. Service after the sale. It's the whole package at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Um, you can find them online at BelkFord.net. It's Belk Ford, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Tell them you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's we'll see if I can segue here. Ole Miss LSU was a game that my late dear friend Charles Walker Loved like nothing else. Here's the segue. He was a Belk Ford F-150 man. And I had so many conversations. So his law office, when it was on the square, years and years ago, Belk Ford was on the square uh, as well, on the north side of the square, uh, in the area kind of where L&M is right now. There was an old garage there. A lot of that's changed since then. But uh, he said uh, there was nothing that he looked forward more than every, you know, five, ten years when he had ordered a brand-new truck, waiting on it to come in, and he kind of peek out the window and look around and see if it was coming in on uh, on a given day. But Charles grew up in North Carolina. And so you would say he had an incredible affinity for LSU. He was not one of these Ole Miss fans that hated LSU. He had a ton of respect and a soft spot in his heart. He cheered for LSU when they weren't playing Ole Miss. And the reason was growing up in North Carolina – 
he was able to listen to LSU games at night oh. on the radio on WWL. And so that was his introduction to SEC football. He ends up coming south, goes to school at Ole Miss, practices law in Oxford for uh, 40 years or so, and was the public address announcer for Ole Miss games prior to Glenn Waddell being in that position, and just absolutely loved it. And I can't tell you how many times at night we would all sit out on the porch. Some of my buddies and Charles would always be there, sit out on the porch um, at the farm with an LSU game on the radio. And it was just so, of course, Jim Hawthorne was the announcer then. And I guess you went back before that. It was Charlie Mack and, and whomever else. But that, that WWL signal that blasts out all over the eastern half of the United States, is it's incredible. So uh, Charles loved this game. And uh, miss you, my friend. Um, hey, Dad, what's your guess on what Mississippi State wears on Saturday? It's been been a they they won three straight games with white helmets. I think they're going all maroon. And so it's 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 the true maroon game on the schedule. I think they're going to wear maroon, maroon, maroon. Well, I mean, maroon is all that matters. So that's that's good to know. I've been told that. Yes, they're going maroon pants, maroon shirts, and maroon. I helmets. think. If you made me guess, that's what I would get. I mean, me that's what I would get with the maroon jerseys because that's a that's a really solid I mean, uniform I, I'm matchup. If that's what you got. I'm just waiting on this '98 game, this Kentucky game. When everybody sees the '98s, the interlocking, there'll be no going back at that point. So you you, you know what LSU is wearing Saturday, right? I mean, they don't really they don't vary all that often. You, you know what you're going to get: white um, jerseys, yellow britches. Oh yeah, I do know what they're wearing. Yeah. Go to yeah. Oh, we could get away with that one. I think. I mean, if it's in one of the teams like pregame, it's in the cheer. I think my kids are listening though, so I'm gonna gonna pass. Yeah, understandable. Um, Obi knows that cheer. He knows that he does. He he probably does. Um, Ole Miss should play this game in gray pants with red jerseys and the uh, the powder blue helmets. Period. I agree. It's one thing that Matt Moscona and I agree on. He says. This Muscota's where he goes. When LSU wears their traditional uniforms, and Ole Miss wears its traditional uniforms with the powder blue helmet, it is the single best uniform game in all of college football ever. I mean, I won't argue too much. I, I don't. I don't disagree with him at all on that. I don't know what Ole Miss yeah. is going to wear. They'll release it, I guess, tomorrow, or have they already? Yeah. It's the, when's that come out on Thursdays? Uh, usually, I think so. I hadn't checked I mean, the Ole Miss Twitter feed to see if that's out yet. I feel like we would have seen it by now. Yeah, you would think. You would think. So, getting ready for yeah, a that, fun that weekend. Said. Getting ready for yeah. a fun weekend. Does the Mississippi State-Alabama game end before midnight? True or false as the show ends? Yes. True. But, but it'll be tighter than I want it to be. Let, so, like, 11.50 would be three hours and 40 minutes, right? Yeah. Because they're not going to kick off right at 8, regardless of what the schedule says. Right. right, right. Mike in Oxford sent us a text. He says Ole Miss is wearing white, and they're going to force LSU to wear purple. I always think states should do that. They did a whiteout this year, but they didn't, you know, they didn't, didn't do it right. Thanks for being with us. This was fun. And thanks for all of your participation as well. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
Enjoy your Thursday evening. We'll be back tomorrow to do it again starting at 3.06. Good night. Oh, it's incredible! Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.